Dodger Dogs. How are we feeling today? You're stepping into the dugout with the Dodger Dogs podcast. I'm Christian Cruz, your host. I will be diving into Dodger baseball news, game recaps, stats, and much more from fans' perspective. So grab yourself a dog, some peanuts, sunflowers, or Cracker Jack, and let's take a trip around the diamond. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about the Dodgers season-ending series against the Diamondbacks and how uh, that plays into this year. I will also go into some recent Dodger news from spring training. Um, as always, please uh, follow me on Twitter at the Dodger Dogs or on Instagram at the Dodger Dogs Podcast or uh, shoot me an email at the Dodger Dogs Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you get the latest episode from your favorite podcast platform. So let's slide into today's show. So what I want to do today is talk a little bit about last year's uh, kind of game ending series and the NL um, uh, DS. So the record last year for the Dodgers was 100 uh, to 62. So they won 100 games, lost 62. It was actually a pretty dang good year. Um, this is their third year, I think, in a row now that they won over 100 games or more. Um, so just to give you a little bit of perspective. So in the in the West, uh, in the division, the Dodgers are one. The winning percentage percentage was 0.617. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks were second in that division. Uh, they had won 84 games and lost 78. So they were 16 games back from the Dodgers by the time the playoffs came around. So you're talking about a gap of 16 games from number one to number two to the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is, you know, not not a big. It is a big deal in, in a sense of like how much better the Dodgers were throughout the year, how much better of a ball club they were they were in terms of like the management, the uh, impact players, things like that. So it's kind of crazy. So just kind of a really, really quick breakdown. It's uh, the way it ended last year was the Dodgers were at number one in the division. Then it went to Arizona, uh, the Diamondbacks. They were 16 games back. The San Diego Padres, who were 18 games back. The San Francisco Giants, who ended up being 21 games back. And the Colorado Colorado Rockies, which ended up being forty one games back, so it was a pretty significant gap from top to bottom. Um, so that's how it ended last year. Uh, in terms of like a little bit of a breakdown of how good the Dodgers were last year, there was really two other teams ahead of them when it came to uh, team batting average. So the Dodgers ended up with a team batting average of two, .257. Uh, the Atlanta Braves ended up with the highest, which is two seventy six. Uh, and then the Miami Marlins actually had the second highest at 259. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a breakdown. So uh, across the board, on average, the Dodgers had a, a .257 batting average, on-base percentage of 340, slugging percentage of 455, and um, OPS of 795. All above average. In terms of like the, the team average, if you were to take the team average as a single player, they were a solid, solid, solid team, solid player. So that's kind of how you have to look at it. They, they did really well throughout the year. They were solid across the board. I mean, their on-base percentage alone, they were getting on-base 34% of the time. The uh, OPS, on-base on plus slugging was 795. That is elite right there. So that's what the Dodgers were doing throughout the year, all 162 games across the board. So let's go into the NLDS. And keep in mind that 257, 340, and 455, that's their slash line. Um, as we get into a little bit into the National League Division Series, I'm going to give you a, a kind of a breakdown. The team average was 0.177 batting average. On base percentage was 0.248. And their slugging percentage was 250. Their OPS, 498. I mean, 
just if you recall in episode two, for example, the slash line of 0 0.280, 0 0.350, and 0.50 suggests a solid all-around hitter, while a slash line of 0 0.220, 0 0.280, and 0.320 might indicate a less effective offensive player. So the Dodgers were well below average, not even just from what they did on average throughout the year, but just in terms of like across the board for, for players or even teams. When you're hitting 177, 248 on base, that's only 24%. That's almost a 10% drop for the on base at 24, 248. And you're talking about 250 in terms of uh, the slugging percentage. Uh, that is so well below average is unbelievable, especially when you're talking uh, about a team that was 16 games back. And just to give you a little bit more perspective, in terms of at-bats, the Dodgers in that series had 96 at-bats. They scored only six runs, and they only had 17 hits. So we're going to talk a little bit about role players that are on in today's podcast, but let's look at it this way. You have your stars. Your stars should always step up. They should always do at the bare minimum the average. So when we look, talk about some of these like indicators is what are your other role players doing? Kike Hernandez, everybody loves him. I think he's a great player. I think he was a great addition. But he went, he had eight at-bats, no runs, three hits. J.D. Martinez had 10 at-bats, one run, two hits. David Peralta had six at-bats, zero runs, one hit. Miguel Rojas had six at-bats. Zero runs, one hit. Miguel Roja, or sorry, Miguel uh, or Chris Taylor had six at bats, zero runs, and one hit. That brings us to the to my next point in the sense of like your stars need to step up, but your role players also have to play a role. They also have to do their job. They can't just be reliant. So again, episode two, a, a less effective offensive player is two twenty. Dodgers had one seventy on the batting average. Uh, less effective offensive player is 280. The Dodgers had 248 for their on-base percentage. And then on their slugging percentage, an average less effective player is 320. They were well below that at .250. So when we take this as a whole, it's like, what, what happened? I think a lot of it also had to do with the type of pitching that they had. We'll get into that a little bit more, but again, what does this all mean? Well, a baseball team is is just is that is just that as the team, right? Baseball is a team effort. Your stars at worst need to play average. At the end of the day is you still got to go out there and play the game. If they're not playing up to par, that's one thing. That's where the other teammates have to kind of come in and try to step it up a little bit and do a little bit more, which is fine. That's how it happens. Number two, role players outside your stars need to show up in big moments. Your Chris Taylors of the world, your Alex Vestia, your Jason Hayward's, your David Peralta's. They need to at the very least do something offensively or at, or even defensively. Get out there, make some catches, rob some home runs, things like that that make impacts. So I'm not going to make any excuses for our stars. They did not step up. Mookie and Freddie just didn't do anything. I think they had three hits uh, across the board for them out of like 40 uh, base appearances, something to that effect. But I mean, at the end of the day, is like across the board, they failed from top to bottom, stars to role players to all of it. What cracks my bat, this is what cracks my 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 series is always going to have a what cracks my bat. So this is what cracks my bat. Player needs to show up. Whether you have a week off or not, to me that's not really an excuse. You're talking about the playoffs. You're trying to get into it. Your mindset should always be 100%. Even on those days off, you need to be getting out there, doing what you got to do in the clubhouse, 
on the field, in the weight room, in the training room. Do what you need to do. Get your mind to where it needs to happen. That's not an excuse for me when you have a week off. Let's look at the um, NFL. They have uh, almost two weeks in between the the final um, series into the into the in, into the uh, Super Bowl. So they they still got to figure it out. And that's the same thing for the Dodgers. It's the same thing for baseball. That that to me is not uh, an excuse. It's not. It's a non-issue for us. They need to get into that frame of mind to be able to go into a uh, playoff series and do that. So, bottom line, average at the very least, your stars need to hit average. At the very least, your role players have to step up and do something impactful. Whatever that is, it has to be impactful. They got to do something. Um, and sometimes you're gonna get your stars struggle. That's going to happen. But just I want you all to remember for you all that are um, Laker fans. Remember Robert Ory hitting that buzzer beater. Remember Derek Fisher hitting these buzzer beaters. Those star, those weren't necessarily stars on the Lakers, but they made big shots and big moments to help elevate their star players to show up to say, "Hey, we're going to do this." But that's again, it's it's a really a team sport. So this is the other thing. What does this all mean again? Accountability across the board needs to happen in the clubhouse and remembering that with all this, the Dodgers were still injury plagued. The rotation was garbage we all know that it was just garbage so going into this playoff series seeing how the pitching was going down we didn't have someone to rely on probably got to the players and i get that but at the end of the day when you're averaging quite a few hits per game say between six and eight or something like that you still could outslug some of these lesser teams like the diamondbacks and that just didn't happen so the good thing about it is in 2024 the pressure is probably going to be off the role players uh, can't say that they could get so the role players could go after it right Mookie and Freddie and Shohei and Yamamoto these are the guys that are going to take the brunt of it and they should because their star players are getting paid for it so now some of these role players are able to step into the role of just doing their jobs getting the job done you know at the very least be a 200 player 220 player do something with what your role is the rotation looks to be healthier but some key players are out are still out but we're I don't expect us to be going to this year as bad as last year in terms of the rotation. Um, I could be wrong, but again, we're going to have quite a few people coming back. Um, the other good thing about it is I think we learned a lot from last year. You know, winning 100 games is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's something that doesn't happen very often, but load management should be a priority. I, as I said, I coached in college um, for many years, and I think one of the things that I knew going into a season is if we had a, a, a dog in that race, meaning are we going to be contenders? And if we're contenders, I knew that there was op there's going to be times throughout the season I needed to sit some people. I needed to uh, load manage how many races they were going to be running, what kinds of races they're going to be running, the kinds of um, uh, how much mileage they were going to do, things like that. So for me, what it didn't matter. Health matters. The rotation looks to be healthy, which is great. But at the end of the day, we got to think about it this way. The Dodgers have played in the postseason for a decade straight. That adds to how many innings played, how many hits, all that stuff to each of the players. And regardless of what you think, that that's impactful. So we're talking about a little bit of a six-man rotation. So it may not be such a bad thing. I'm actually a, a proponent of it. Usually the, uh, teams go with a five-man rotation. But I'm okay with that. That's not such a big deal. For me, I think it's more so of an opportunity for for players to manage you know, their, their injuries. So Dave Roberts... Mentioned that it's not ideal for some pitchers to go on a six-man rotation. But you do maintain lower innings pitched throughout the year if you do that. So, I mean, the way I look at it is if you want to do a six-man rotation, you can do it like the first half of the year and then go to a five-man rotation towards the end of the year. 
But the good thing about it is it does minimize how many innings pitch for all the pitchers across the board. It keeps them healthier. The other good thing about it is it eases in Yamamoto because he does uh, pitch on a weekly basis when he was in, in the NPD. So that helps, I think, both ways. It's not going to be ideal for some pitchers, but as you go into the second half, I think it's going to be a good thing just because we're going to get back into that five-man rotation. We're going to see who's going to be stepping in. I'll get, of course, injuries are going to happen. We're going to see how that plays itself out. But we could, I, I could see the Dodgers doing something to that effect. Um, but it also helps the bullpen in terms of if you're going to have a six-man rotation, you're going to get healthier pitchers throughout throughout the year, which means they're going to go deeper into the into the innings. And that also means that you're not going to have to use your bullpen as much. You may, instead of bringing in a bullpen arm in the sixth inning, maybe that means bringing them in the seventh inning. Or maybe that means bringing them in the eighth inning. It just depends. But at the end of the day, I'm a, I think I'm, a, I'm okay with the six-man rotation. We'll see how it goes. See what they decide. But again, my thing is six-man rotation offers load management that provides freshness for these pitchers that we're going to need come the playoffs. And let's be honest, the Dodgers are expected to be in the playoffs. No questions about that. Bottom line, the Dodgers need to mesh and play ball when it matters most. If that means Mookie and Freddie and uh, and Lux and Shohei, um, Yamamoto need extra days off, then so be it. I don't care if they win 100. I don't care if they win 162 games. I don't care if they win the division by 16 games. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if we don't have a banner, if we don't have a ring, we don't have that world championship, what does it all matter? 100 games is, is going to be forgotten. It's not going to be something that they're going to be able to say, hey, we've got 100 games to get a ring for that. It doesn't work like that. So for me, it's throughout the year, if it makes sense to sit them, if it makes sense to give them an extra day off, if it makes sense to say, hey, we're going to give you a week to kind of nurse a little bit of an injury or a bump or bruise or whatever it may be, by all means, do it. As long as we get in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. That's the kind of the good thing about baseball, right? We have our ups and downs. Just stay healthy. Get into the playoffs and then blow past lesser teams like the Diamondbacks. You know, the bottom line is I think the empire. So we're, we're now perceived as this evil empire just because our ownership group has been spending money. They've been investing into the team. So be it. We're the evil empire. But I fully expect it to strike back. Let's get at it. If we win 100 games, great. So long as the the prize is maintaining consistency, maintaining health, healthy players. And if we don't need to go and win 100 games and we could go into the playoffs with 95 game wins or 90s or whatever it is just to get into the playoffs, I'm okay with that. I'd rather do that than and go win a World Series and have 100 games and get bounced in the first round again. So I'm going to leave it at that for now. Um, but I do want to jump into a little bit of Dodger news. So I'm going to take a quick break and we'll jump right back into it. Hey, Dodger dogs, I'm back from the break. Just wanted to thank you again for listening. Um, I'm going to jump into the Dodger news. So uh, February 22nd is the start of the first games of spring training. The Dodgers play the Padres at 12, 10 p.m. on the 22nd. I'm going to go into a couple of notable injuries. So Walker Brewer won't be ready for the start of the season. Really precautionary and keeping him fresh. I think a lot of it also has to do with this is his second Tommy John surgery. So you got to think about it as, uh, hey, want to ease him back in. Do we really need him in the beginning of the season, April and May? No, not really. We really don't. Um, a lot of it also is probably uh, load management with him in terms of how many innings uh, they want him to pitch throughout the year. So if you bring him back in May or maybe even early June sometime around there, it gives him a better chance to maintain some freshness. He gets to ease back into the rhythm of it. I know a lot of people are like, well, why isn't he going to come into um, into the season uh, if we were thinking of having him in the playoffs last year? I think a lot of it was also, if one, it's the playoffs. You want your best guys there, and if they're able to do it, they could do it. But now we do have a little bit of a luxury um, in terms of bringing players back 
on a timeline that makes the most sense for them. If we don't have to rush him back, what's the point? It's a 162-game season. We have the depth on in terms of the rotation. I would much rather have him come back super healthy, ready to go, getting his innings pitched before the um before the summer midsummer break, and then going to the second half of the year fresh and ready to go. So I'm okay with that. I think it was pretty expected, and it makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, the other one is Tony Gonsolin. He went on the 60-day injury list. Um, he's also coming off Tommy John. So that doesn't, you know, surprise me at all. Tommy John is one of those things where it takes about a year to 18 months or so. So 12 to 18 months in terms of recovery. Tony Gonzalez, if you remember, he was an all-star in 2022. Um, he's going to be a key piece of, uh, to what we're trying to do. It seems like if they're putting him on the 60-day um, injury list, he'll be back sometime, I would say, about um, late April if everything goes according to plan. Hopefully that's what it is. Uh, love to have him back. He has been injury-prone. I'm okay with bringing him back towards the end of May as well, just because it gives him a little extra time to get back into the rhythm of things and just try to get that elbow uh, where it needs to be. Um, and again, that's a load management. We want them to be fresh. If he's going to be part of a rotation uh, with the Dodgers and we expect injuries to, to come up throughout the year, I think it's a good opportunity for him to get healthy when an injury does happen, then maybe bring him back earlier if, if need be. But um, looking forward to having him back. Dustin May, oh man, he is, he's been such a lights-out player when he's on the field, but the problem is he's been very sporadic on the field. You, you saw his stuff. He could be a number one pretty much anywhere if healthy. But he's also back on the injury list. Uh, May began, throwing, uh, began his throwing program in January, but he isn't uh, expected back until the second half of the season. Time, probably sometime before Kershaw right around there. But again, that's going to be okay. If you're talking about a healthy Dustin May, a healthy Tony Gonzalez, a healthy Walker Bueller coming back later in the year. As long as the guys are holding it down, making a, a push uh, to ensure that we're going to be in the playoffs, I think we're going to be hit, hurting people pretty badly towards the end of the year, mid to the end of the year. Um, people aren't going to see what's what's going to hit them, and I think the Dodgers are going to start rolling through, um, which is key for us. So those are three uh, key notable injury uh, uh, in terms of what's going to happen at the beginning of the year. Uh, the other big one is someone that I'm, I'm high on. He has always been lights out. It's been sad that he hasn't been able to pitch with the Dodgers since we acquired him. Uh, really, I think he's only had like 30 innings pitched or maybe even less than that. But Blake Trinan is out with uh, without a schedule of return, still working through soldier, soldier or shoulder surgery. Uh, General Manager Brandon Gomes said earlier this month that Trinan uh, is looking to be returning sometime um, this year as, I mean, as long as the, he's 35 years old. So as long as he, uh, nothing happens with his recovery, he should be back sometime this year. I think that's fine. He's another one where it'll be an added addition to the, uh, to the bullpen, high leverage kind of guy. He's a guy, he's a guy that you want on the mound trying to punch people out at the end of games. He shortens the game by an inning just by him being there. If you're able to put him in, in the ninth, that means people only get eight innings to try and beat you. That that's significant. So I fully expect Blake Trinan to be back this year. I know he's been missing, but he's high leverage, high high capacity kind of guy. Takes uh, uh could take on that role that Kenny Jansen had in the past as someone that we could rely on. We did a lot of platooning this last few years in terms of the bullpen. They got much better in the second half. They were, I think, the second best bullpen in the second half of the year last year. So adding him to the bullpen is going to go a long way. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year, and I think he will be back and and do some some good work for us. Um, so long as he doesn't have any kinds of setbacks again, he, he should be ready for the start of the regular season, possibly, 
But that there's a lot going on around them. But I expect him sometime in in midseason as well. I think they're gonna take their time with him. Um, the other one is uh, kind of a cool thing. It's not a, it's not an injury thing, but just saw a, a video of Shohei Otani being out there doing the work. I've everybody's seen the videos of how how he is in terms of his training regimen. But he's been hitting dingers. And BP today alone, he hit ter- uh, ten home runs out of twenty nine. Uh, so in the MVP, they actually rely a lot on what you're doing in uh, batting practice. Um, and so if you're not hitting as many home runs in batting practice as you should be, they're going to call you out on it. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I think, you know, when he's in batting practice, he tries to really nail that ball and get it out of the park and see what he could do with it. Um, again, it's obviously batting practice. But just to see him launch, you know, 10 home runs, and I would encourage anybody to go out and just check out those videos, show Otani spring training home runs. I mean, the ball just it looks like it disappears. He just destroys these these balls. It's crazy. So, can't wait to see him uh, come uh, come out in 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 Dodger Blue again this year, or to come on Dodger Blue. Um, uh, the Dodgers actually have new jerseys. I I'm not a huge fan of the jerseys, so uh, I'm hoping that that Nike actually does something. It, the way that it breaks down in terms of the the name that it says Dodgers in the front, it breaks down the the middle of the D, the letter D. Very odd to me. Don't know why they did that. Um, but you know that's what's going to happen this year. The the print's a little bit smaller. I mean, if you're ask to me, if you're asking people to spend a lot of money on these jerseys, I mean, one hundred twenty, two hundred dollars for a jersey, at least make them a good product. Don't be cheap. Come on, Nike. Let's let's get this done right. This is ridiculous. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention is the Guggenheim Group is going to be the sponsor for the Dodgers this year. So. Uh, if you know, if you haven't, um, if you don't know, now there's a lot of sponsorships for all the uh, teams. So each team has a sponsor that has a little like patch on the, their team's logo. The Dodgers are going to have the Guggenheim Group. Thankfully, it doesn't look bad at all. It actually meshes really, really well with the jerseys. So I'm super happy that they chose to do that. Guggenheim, of course, is owner of the Dodgers. They they're the ones that basically front up fronted up the money to get a Shohei Yamamoto that 1.2 billion dollars that they spent out there and Glasnow. So it looks pretty good. I actually like it. I'm not, I have no issues with it. It flows really well with it. The other thing I just kind of really want to mention is that we're going to have a new City Connect uh, uniform. The last few years, we just had kind of this general uh, blue uniform from top to bottom. Nothing fancy, great, just said a little Dodgers on it. And it was fine. It was okay. I was, I was a huge fan of it, but still kind of cool. I'm really hoping they do a lot more with the City Connect ones to have some kind of like city of LA kind of background, you know, Kind of maybe the 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 city uh, cityscape in the back or something like that. Just do a little bit more with it. I thought it was kind of lacking. So hopefully they do something better with that. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna leave it there for today. I know there's a lot going on for spring training. It's officially do- you know Dodger season, and baseball season. Can't wait for the the games to start. Um, but I'm gonna leave it there. Please stay tuned. Again, if you uh, if you like the podcast, just subscribe and follow uh, on um, on any of the podcast uh, platforms that you have. I'm on Apple, I'm on uh, Spotify as well. So if you'd like to follow uh, just for update new, uh, for updated news and just for um, when the uh, episodes are going to get released, follow me on Twitter or X as it's known, I guess, at the Dodger Dogs or Instagram at the Dodger Dogs Podcast. Or you can even email me at the Dodger Dogs Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay blue, bleed blue.